In this installment, I talk with Professor Joanne Reed from Charles Sturt University. Professor Reed has had a distinguished career in teacher education in Australia, has been the president of the Australian Association for Research and Education, the Australian Teacher Education Association, and various boards and committees to do with the preparation of pre-service teachers. One of the main thrusts of Professor Reed's career has been preparing teachers for rural, regional and remote schools and arguably is a national and international leader in that space. In our conversation, Professor Reed talks about the rural social space model. This is a model that has been become widely adopted or used by pre-service teacher educators in the last 10 years or so. And it emerged out of a number of projects that Professor Reed has led with colleagues about preparing teachers for rural schools. In this discussion, Professor Reed talks about the need for teachers to understand the particular needs and concerns of the communities in which they work. And this is a really important focus because it starts to get away from that notion that quality or preparation is the same for any context. The clear argument through all this is that context and place matter and that the preparation for teachers and then teaching practice needs to take into account the particularities of where they work. It's not a one-size-fits-all or a one-interpretation of quality-fits-all in any way at all. I started a conversation with, perhaps surprisingly, the question of what the rural means for Professor Reed. It's an interesting question, Phil, because um, I'm speak speaking as a teacher educator. Um, I often think about myself as a rural teacher educator, not because necessarily I live and work in what you could call non-metropolitan settings, but because um, I think the idea of the rural as somehow needing a form of education and teacher education that is different from a mainstream metropolitan norm um, gives it a, a, a meaning of otherness. So rural is in terms of, of educational thinking and practice in teacher education only, and that's what I'm speaking from, um, is out there. It's not, it's, it's not teacher education. Rural teacher education is something different. And so the rural, um, apart from everywhere beyond the, in Australia, I think everywhere beyond the, um, the Great Dividing Range and East and West coming inland, inland Australia, I suppose, is the way I think about the rural in this country. Interesting. Can I ask then uh, why the coast doesn't come into that consideration? Um, for a number of reasons. Even though there are lots of sort of statistical definitions of rurality that would include coastal locations um, around size of, of community and distance from amenities and those sorts of things, the coastal areas um, in a, in a sort of an ideological sense have something going for them that inland Australia seems to lack in the general discussion around education and teacher education. Being posted to a, um, for a teacher, being posted to the south coast of New South Wales might be something that is seen as not particularly attractive compared to being posted to Bondi, but it's more attractive than being posted to somewhere west of the divide. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I'm, 
I just I've noticed recently that a lot of the rural um, education or rural schools references tend not to include the coast, whereas things like yeah, the, I, the far south coast here is actually still hard to start. Like you know, there's yes. down the far south coast they can't get teachers still, which yeah. seems a bit and the north of Queensland. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and and it's therefore, you know, that's an area that we probably have to struggle to include in thinking about the rural. Um, but when I'm thinking about what is rural education and the way I conceive it, I, I am mainly thinking inland um, and probably those areas that are currently the ones that you'd see affected by drought um, yeah. and climate so that geography matters in, in that sense. Interesting, because I guess in those northern Queensland and Northern Territory and North Queensland, we sort of see in John Kunther's work, a lot of them are uh, become synonymous with Aboriginal education schools yep. as opposed to rural. So we get this slippage of language and, and, and what's being addressed. I guess that might be part of the distinction and as to who, is, who makes up that community perhaps. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think um, part of... of all educational thinking about rural and rural, rural schoolings, um, there is an overlap of rurality and, and Indigenous that you can't not consider when you're considering what is the rural. Um, even though, and, and this is a complexity of, even though more Aboriginal people probably live in cities, mm. um, the place of um, an Indigenous history and Indigenous um, relationships in rural, in my inland rural, um, is, makes it, I think, a little bit more problematic. And that would be the same in the North Queensland setting mm, as it yeah. probably is in, in some southern parts of, you know, Western Australia and the north of Western Australia yeah. and probably yes. all of the Northern Territory. Mm. Well, we certainly see that in that um, systematic review of uh, Aboriginal education rurality that John Gunther did. We see that that change. And, uh, Absolutely. The, and when we looked at the rural one, we didn't find any articles addressing that. It was quite a, an absence. But uh, we'll come to that oh. in, a la in a later talk and a later paper. <laughs> um, but there's a lovely definition of rural. It's open. It's yeah. open in all sorts of ways. <laughs> it's a choose your own adventure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I guess that openness, though, becomes part of the issue, doesn't it? It's one thing uh, in some work I've, I've mentioned in these talks previously that we're, we're doing with uh, my colleague Natalie here, which we'll talk about in more detail later, is that lack of definition by researchers in research who might use the rural as a warrant to research but don't actually say what they mean by that term. It becomes, so being open is one thing, but there needs to be some parameters around that. Absolutely, because too often it becomes simply the other um, to, to um, dominant metropolitan education. So if it's the rural, it's not metropolitan and it doesn't matter that it's... Um, that this part of the rural is very different. We've just been talking about the south coast of um, New South Wales, the north of Queensland, all of which are rural, um, all of which, like inland Australia, could be called rural, but all are very, very different. Yeah. Well, I guess this brings us to um, to the the rural social space model that uh, that you developed up with your colleagues, which has become very uh, very widely adopted frame, particularly in Australia, for defining the rural and looking at in terms of how we prepare teachers for rural contexts. Could I get you to tell us a little bit about how that came about and, and how it's um, structured? Sure. It's, it's, um, it's not an original model in, in the sense of, the, you know, the, the, the facets of it, the, you know, the ideas about thinking about geography, economy 
and demography are really the triple, triple bottom line. Um, you know, what matters in, um, an, in an economic sense, really, about how, how places function and how the economy works. But the model for us developed when we were um, looking at what keeps teachers in rural schools. And it really appeared that there are some places which might seem on the surface to be hard to staff, um, but aren't. And looking and inquiring into what makes some places um, more livable for white middle-class teachers yeah. than other places um, really helped us develop or understand that you can't just prepare teachers for rural um, without giving them some sort of understanding that it is not a blanket um, definition or a blanket preparation and that probably the prime requirement for anybody as an outsider going into a rural community is what I sort of call the humility of knowing that you don't understand what this community is until you find out. Um, that's why that's what the model's there for, to sort of give people a heuristic to inquire into what it is about where this um, place, particular place is, um, what the climate is, uh, what it's been in history over time, you know, what, what its economy is, who are the people there? Who are the people there now? Um, are there traces of the people who used to be there and aren't there anymore? Um, and how those people who do exist in this particular place function in relationship to each other and to the economy and to the geography of the place. So it's for me it's useful um, because I think in terms of a model, it helps to realise that all those complexities that actually can't be predicted on a um, on a chart really um, are overlaid always by governance and policy that tends to reduce them and so when you're a teacher going into a, a rural place a teacher or a nurse or a, um, a pharmacist or whatever being able to live well in that community um, really means that you're going to have a job of work to understand what it is about the community that makes it tick for those people. Who's, you know, who, who is there that you might need to talk to and find out about that are not just the people who seem obvious? And those, and those that might not talk to you naturally because of what you represent in the first place. Exactly, exactly. And it's a, it came eventually, originally the idea for looking at the place, places in that way came from um, a group in, in the United States, a, a woman called um, Lorelard, um, who, I think her name is Angela, um, who talked with her student teachers in, in really high-density poverty areas in New York City, in Buffalo, actually, out of New York, um, saying, when we come into the community, we will take a walk with the kids through these streets, not walk or not drive through in our cars, mm. Um, safely as, as outsiders, but actually walk with the kids and find out who lives in this house and, you know, who's um, been, who plays on this field and what we do here. And all these great murder capitals of New York were suddenly became places where people, real people lived. Mm. And the whole idea in terms of rural social spaces, all the imaginaries we have about what it's like in rural communities, um, it might be quite different when you actually find out and walk the streets and talk to the people. Yeah, and you can... Because in, in, in the paper, in the work, you 
you uh, certainly draw on that real and imagined notion. So it's, uh, it's getting to unpick how those constructions have come about and how then you can reformulate yeah. those in your own practice. And particularly in, in big institutions, bureaucracies like education and, and probably like medicine and health, um, people making careers have often um, see the rural as a stepping stone to somewhere else because that has been the nature of, of um, the history of rural schooling and that people haven't been able to stay or haven't chosen to stay a long time in some rural places, not all. Um, and so this, there seems to be what we call symbolic violence towards many mm. rural places that is brought about by this thought of, oh, my God, I'm going to be, you know, 75 miles from the nearest coffee shop. Um, how will I survive? And that still um, permeates through the culture of the teacher education yeah. classrooms, I know. Um, but it's not always like that. And when, when you start to see what affordances, what resources, what relationships there are in rural communities, um, it just gives you a more a, a deeper picture. doesn't mean you're going to like it anymore or be able to stay, but you will at least appreciate um, the, the complexities of what you're having to deal with as a teacher. I think it's really powerful the way you describe that or the word you use there of a heuristic rather than a static tool as well. So it's very much... Mm. A, a living and evolving um, reference point for, for mm. practitioners, both pre-service I, I and, so. and in-service. Yeah. I mean, the basic educational philosophy for me is, you know, Maria Montessori, look to the child. Mm. If you're a teacher in a rural community, look to the children and what their life is around them. So it's pretty simple, but it, but yeah, it does help. The, the Brof, are we talking the Brof and Brenner model here by any chance? It's, <laughs> Do we still teach that? Yes, <laughs> yeah. we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, it evolved from what was became known as a Terra Nova project around, mm. uh, as you said, school, school communities that retain teachers and there was a, a whole report with a range of case studies. Mm. So retention of teachers has been a long-standing issue in the profession, hasn't it? It certainly has, and, and that's historical, I think, in that um, the, it, it's a population effect, I suppose, too. People, you know, choose to be with people, that their family, close to family, etc. And the people who got access to go to teachers' colleges historically or to universities, um, we know the statistics show there are fewer people in um, rural communities that have that access access to, to higher education, not because they're not capable, but because of the all sorts of curriculum injustices, etc., that that constrain them. And this is that's always happened. Um, I've always been taken by the fact that, you know, the first teachers' colleges in New South Wales at least were in Sydney, of course. And then the very first country one was in Armadale, mm. um, in at the Armadale Teachers College. And that was to try and um, make sure that the people who were, came from sort of a, I think it was a line north of, of um, uh, Harbour, maybe? New, no, it was, yeah, I think it was a bit higher than Newcastle. Um, Taree, maybe, that, that way. Um, everywhere north of there would go to Armadale so that the people would have a, a better op you know, opportunity to stay in the places where they were posted. But the issue of um, education as 
something that teaches people to leave, we know Mike Corbett's, you know, learning to leave, is, is a truism, but it's also affected um, policies of staffing and, and how schools operate in this country as well as in, in um, Canada. So keeping teachers in rural schools has been a problem, and they call it the rural problem, I think, for the Department of Education, yeah. for what is it now, 2021, let's say for, you know, 150 years. Yeah. It's not yet been solved. Um, there are all sorts of ways that people go about it, incentives for, for people to go to the country. But my belief is that preparation for, so that people actually have a better understanding of what they're going to um, will stop some of the shock that... Um, often causes people to think, I'm too far away, I can't get out of here, I'm stuck. You know, the wake-in-fright problem mm. that is not real but is absolutely an imaginary that, that lives with people. It's um, it's interesting when you were talking about the, the model and to know a place or to know what you're doing, look at the child and come to know them. It It's that there seems to be a, a uh, an unspoken other there of education not being about the child or the local? It seems to be in, and, and I do understand the problem of government in this, um, that, you know, a, an elected government must provide for a state, in you know, a state system must provide, tries to provide equally for every kid from, and that, I think they say, you know, from, from um, the centre of Sydney to, to Tumala, they've all entitled to the same education and how you provide that in such a widely dispersed um well such a, such a huge area is, is so hard i mean mm. you know there have always been problems from from the earliest settlement days um with you know police disappearing very quickly with teachers disappearing the wildness of yeah. um of distances has been um something that has characterized uh, the provision of education in, in yeah. um, the outback, you know, call, yeah. even calling it that, those are the terms yeah. that out, make out it hard back. for people. Yeah. Out the back, yeah. yeah. Um, or, or it's the romantic. In English sense, so. yeah. yeah, and and while untamed. there is a romance about it, um, it is untamed, it is wilder, but in the same way when we talk about the rural being open, um, there is a great, such a great opportunity in a place that is actually... Um, in any place that is smaller and, and paradoxically smaller in terms of the, the human population around, um, the things that could be learnt and done in a curriculum sense in yes. a, uh, a rural place, I think are just so exciting. Um, I'll just very briefly, Phil, reference the, you know, part of what brought me to that understanding was the work that we did many years ago looking at the Murray-Darling Basin and schools all around the Murray-Darling Basin who were working back then from a Murray-Darling Basin Authority education program that um, decided it was much better to work with the hearts and minds of the next generation than to try and convince scientists to share water equitably. Um, <laughs> and the, the whole idea of, of even along one river system, one as huge as the Murray-Darling, um, the differences, you know, from Yulo in Queensland to Goolwa on the south coast, etc. Um, how does this one system connect? How are we as people across 
the mm. basin connected. I, that's probably where my sense of rural as inland comes from too, I suspect. And so that's the uh, that's a special forever program, I think. Is that right? That was a special forever yeah. program. It yeah. it was. Um, I'm, I'm seeing now more. I mean, it's a beautiful program at the moment um, that's going out of A and U, where somebody is mapping the sounds of the Murray, yeah. um, and tr getting this same the affective, not just the the cognitive um, knowledge that is comes from from the the city as as what we have to teach in schools, which is what has blanketed, I suppose, most of the schooling systems because on large institutional populations it's the testing and the assessment regime that means the poor kids that i don't know in the peel inlet are studying the same thing as the, the people um in penrith yeah. um in very very different situations and i guess that gets to uh one of the things that i'm particularly interested in is an epistemological basis that you know, there's a special project and the work that you have done um bill green and others has shown that that knowledge base that students work with, even going back to the old Jewy notion of you know you start with where kids are at in their contexts, mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. is you know there's a lot to be worked with there in a meaningful way, but it doesn't sit well within as you mentioned the standardised system of accountability and measurement. No, it doesn't, and I think that's probably the biggest curriculum problem um, for again for teacher education to um, to prepare teachers to to know enough about what it is they have to teach to be able to not just know there is one way of teaching it um, and to be able to adapt and to think about the resources that the kids in their classroom bring to the learning exchange um, that will not only help the children learn the new information but um, help the teacher be able to contextualise and, and um, learn her, herself about what it is that's um, going on in this particular place. And see so that knowledge as something that can be worked with rather than something that has to be mastered. Absolutely. And I, th I think, it again, it's about the, you know, the, the openness of, of potential in, in rural, particularly in rural schools, rural communities. Um, there is where within a rural social space where, you know, there are, there's diversity that you probably can draw on much more in some rural, smaller communities than you can in the city, um, only because people know each other and you have connections. But to be able to bring, and that was one of the things we did find in Terra Nova, that, that um, the community cares about the schools that their kids are in um, to a degree that seems uncommon. Um, you know, they're prepared to go the extra mile, they're prepared to do things come into the school, take kids out of the school, that is probably easier, I suppose, when there are fewer children and, you know, um, yeah, less, less ethical issues to worry about in terms of are they going to get run over. Yeah, a bit... Uh, I say yeah, that with a, a bit, rise bit more, A bit more responsive. <laughs> it's, uh, yes. yes, yeah, that's another way, nice way of putting it. Yeah, uh, um, Joe... Uh, there's a thousand things I could ask you and, and talk to you about, but at, th at this point, um, I'll, I'll thank you for your time that you've given us this afternoon and, and sharing your insights with us on the model, how, how it came about, how it can be used. Pleasure. I'm sure we'll probably have Professor Reed 
back on at another time to talk specifically about some of the challenges for teachers in rural communities and learn more from her insights working in teacher preparation for nearly 30 years in this space. One thing I want to add here is in our discussion after we finished recording, Professor Rui went back just to that notion around the listening to the Murray Project from the ANU. In a bit of a Google search, you'll find some uh, Radio National references and uh, interviews to the people doing that work, which is uh, truly really fascinating. But this little snippet from the conversation I think is worth just adding at this point, because it really reinforces the notion that we're getting at here. It's about once you know your community, what you can do. And drawing on the experiences of Professor Reed's work with her colleagues, you'll be able to see that here. That's such a potential for, um, you know, the work that was done by the teachers in the Special Forever. They have, once you know your community, there's so many possibilities to adapt curriculum. Yeah. Um, and much more, I think, than um, you get in a city school because you don't know the community as well. You don't live there. And that, I think, is a good place to finish this instalment.